It's on. Hell yeah. We got it open. We got it on. And baby, we are rolling in to another special episode. Guys, welcome to episode number 75 of The Covert Show. Nick going solo for the night just in case we cannot connect tomorrow with JC having a couple more phone issues, connection issues, all that good stuff. <laughs> the usual. And if you guys didn't see our or didn't listen to our podcast the last time, oh boy, howdy, was it a doozy. Well, folks, we got a good one for you this week because it is officially the last podcast of the year of 2023. So I would like to say cheers to you all. Thank you so much for joining the podcast this year. If you guys are new, welcome to the Covert Show. If you guys have already discovered our debacle, we appreciate you guys sticking around if you have. We appreciate all the loyal fans that have been sticking around for the years. So with that, we say cheers and tops off to you. Excelente. Now, we are, like I said, on the last podcast of the year. And yes, don't worry for all the questions that are going to get answered or get asked. You're going to get an answer. We got currently going on right now. My laptop is working on just whatever it can do right now to try to get us through and get us to the final episode of the year, which is going to be the wrap-up, which is going to be the end of the year, best of the year episode as per usual. Hopefully we can get that out to you guys on New Year's Eve. We're going to try the best that we can. I'm currently going through and trying to find all the episodes that we have that I've, that, well, that I've got currently. So if you see me kind of scrolling along here, if we don't post the video, but if you guys kind of hear me take a quick break, I'm downloading more of the episodes just to kind of get those underway, get that started and see what we can figure out and get going here for you guys to get that edited and get it up. But like we promised last week, guys, we're going to go through my rap at least this week and we can go through the text and see if we can find JC and RC's raps for the year of of 2023 and I mean guys what a hell of a ride it's been I mean this is this was a year of ups and downs I think for everybody um I know I had a few but I also had a lot of good ups I mean I got to go see a bunch of my friends get married which was super awesome all my college roommates are starting to kind of get married and start doing their lives which is super super exciting for all of them um had a couple of um my cousin gave birth to her first kid couple of other cousins are starting to have more kids. I mean, hell, my family is growing by the day, which I'm super thankful for. Um, moved back into winter set, which is awesome because now I'm only two minutes down the road from my office. Work has been going great. We've been doing all the stuff. Went on a couple of big trips. Went to Wyoming. Went to Colorado for the first time ever in my life. Been in those two states. So it's just been kind of a crazy year. Went to my first ever Major League Baseball game. Went to the Chicago Cubs in Chicago at Wrigley Field, which is honestly one of the best venues in baseball. No bias Like, if you guys haven't been to old historic stadiums, Wrigley Field is one that you guys need to go to. You guys need to experience that kind of atmosphere. Buy tickets out in the bleachers. Don't try to go sit. Well, here's the thing. If you guys are going to go buy tickets and just want to sit and enjoy baseball, like just enjoy the game and not really have to be bothered by anybody, Go sit in the good seats. Go sit behind home plate in the upper decks. Go do that. But if you guys want to really have some fun and meet some good people and just enjoy the shit out of baseball and have a couple of beverages along the way, start the cup snake, go sit out in the outfield. And I would recommend that for every single stadium. Because I haven't been to it. That was the first major. Actually, no, that was my second major league baseball game that I've ever been to. I think I said that wrong earlier. We might have to back check me here or fact check me. 
But um, the first game that I ever went to was in Arlington, or was in Arlington. It was a Texas Rangers game at the old Texas Stadium, which was super, super, super cool. Which also, sad to say, none of you guys can go to that anymore. If you guys have been, that's freaking awesome because I love that stadium. But yeah, if you guys want to enjoy just baseball and you guys are of that age of where you can drink and you just want to go have fun and just sit and watch a game or you just want to go take a take a girl on a date, take your partner on a date, whatever you want to do, go sit out in the bleachers. But if you guys can't hack the fact that you're going to have fans screaming, cussing, yelling, being obnoxious, that ain't for you. I can tell you right now, especially if you go to Chicago. So that was super fun. Got to see the Braves get beat twice in back-to-back days, which was super, super fun for me. The rest of the year was kind of a roller coaster on just a lot of things. So I think everybody goes through that when they start going down through the year, kind of backtracking. Had a lot of fun with friends, though. All the Boji Squad people got to see them a couple of times. For those of you who don't know what the Boji Squad is, which is kind of like an inner circle thing for me, I guess I should say. The Boji Squad is a bunch of friends from mine that one of my cousins went to high school with, and we all go to Boji every single year. So that's super fun that we get to do that. That started back in 2020, like when COVID hit. I mean, talk about how like a time to first go to Okaboji with a group of people. It's been 20 of us growing every single year. And then you now go to Okaboji after COVID hit and the bars have just reopened. Oh, it's liberating after being stuck inside for God knows how long. So it's it's been a hell of a ride. 2023 has been a hell of a year. Whether it's been good or bad for all of you, I think everybody can say it's been a hell of a year. So, without further ado, soapbox on that is done. We'll hopped into the wraps. We'll hopped in. Hop in. That was my word of tense, right? Hop. Jeez, I'm all over the place today. So, folks, we got it going on. We got the Spotify wraps ready to go. And this is honestly one of our favorite times of the year on the podcast because we like to go through and see kind of what our best music was. So, I listened to 68 genres on my rap, according to Spotify, which is insane. My music taste bounces around a hell of a lot. Like, that's, you can literally go on my music playlist and find everything, and it still continues to grow on that. So, for my top genres, we had contemporary country, modern country pop, rap, rock, pop, going from up to down. This is going to take a while to freaking read. Because it's just not, it's going to load. I played 2,400 songs this year. 2,445 to really be exact. Top song was Jelly Roll, Halfway to Heaven, or Halfway to Hell, which was an awesome song. Jelly Roll won New Country er, country Artist of the Year at the CMAs, which was pretty friggin' awesome. Top songs. Now, this is interesting. It's kind of this is where it bounces around a little bit. Halfway to Hell by Jelly Roll was number one. If you guys have never heard this song by Charlie Pride, go look it up. It's definitely a weird song, and it's definitely a classic country song. So I can't get any crap from you guys on the music taste of this because this is old country. Like our parents grew up with this stuff. Like this is old, but it's a damn good song. It's called Collider by Charlie Pride. Now you spell it K A W dash L A G A. Kalijah by Charlie Pride. Way back in the day. Number three was Damn Love by Kip Moore. Love Kip Moore. That whole album, fantastic. If you guys are a fan of country, and if you guys are a fan of like underrated artists, Kip Moore, absolutely adore the man. 
on his music. I He's just freaking phenomenal, in my opinion. So Kip Moore was there. This one was one of the most interesting ones I think I've ever had on my list for top four. It was Warriors from League of Legends. This was on my lifting playlist. This was like on hype stuff, going to like play softball. Oh, yeah, I joined an adult softball league, Fast Pitch. Can you believe that? Baseball player converting to softball. We'll get into that in a minute because that is interesting. But I would listen to this a lot. It's kind of a very hype song if you guys haven't played League of Legends. Also, that just kind of makes me sound really, really nerdy, and I don't know if I like that, but oh well. You guys are going to hear it anyways. We've done a lot of dumb shit on this podcast, so you guys are going to get to hear it. And then Wildest Her by Corey Kent, another new artist that I kind of discovered. He's been around for oh, a couple years now. So then we're going to keep rolling through here. Here's where I always like to go. I listened to 32,222 minutes of music, which is 22 days apparently nonstop which is absolutely insane. I listened to 660 minutes of music on June 16th. And I was in the top 10% of listeners worldwide. That's crazy. I listened to 1,200 artists this year, which is absolutely nuts. 1,291 artists. Morgan Wall was my number one. I think he's been number one back-to-back for the last couple of years. Um, top five fan apparently for Morgan Wallen. The top song that I had listened to him was in the Bible by him and Hardy or him featuring Hardy, which is a fantastic song. I do love that song. So, I mean, there, that's kind of where we go. Morgan Wallen was a lot listened to February. Apparently Kit Moore was my number two artist. That was a lot in November driving to hunting. Ian Munsick. If you guys haven't discovered who Ian Munsick was, he was my third top artist. Listen to him a lot in July. Ian Munsick is an absolute dog. I love his music. He is um, kind of on that bluegrass train, but a little bit more of the Western country style. Um, I believe he performed at the Iowa State Fair this past year in 2023. So if you guys get a chance to go check him out, um, his tour release dates as well as Kip Moore's and a bunch of other guys. I don't know if Kip Moore's have. Kenny Chesney released his tour dates as well. But Ian Munsick released his. Go check him out. Hardy was another big one that I listened to. He was number four. And then Jake Owen released a big new album called Loose Cannon. That album is freaking just immaculate. I love that album. So there you have it. My top four artists. Morgan Wallen at number one. Kit Moore, number two. Ian Munsick, three. Hardy, four. My fingers don't know how to count. And then Jake Owen was number five. So what's it got here? Hold up. Someone is on the other line. Oh, yeah. It's going to be Kit Moore doing that. So... Has anybody ever told you? You're great listeners. We're moving through it. So, yeah, going back through the list here. Contemporary country, number one genre. 32,000 mu- er, minutes of music listened to. Morgan Wallen was my top artist. Kip Moore, Ian Munsick, Hardy, Jake Owen going one through five in that order. Top songs going one through five in the order. Halfway to Hell, Kalijah, Damn Love, Warriors, and then Wild is Her. So there you have it. There is mine. Bunch of bunch of good songs on there. We'll see if we can find our way through here in this covert show chat that we got with RC. Good old JC and RC and I have a good old group chat going where we like to banter with each other. And by banter, I mean we just send each other a bunch of shit back and forth. And it's especially filled with the nights, and it's filled with a lot of stuff. So if we look at it here... For JC's, if you guys haven't seen this on the Instagrams and the TikTok, go check it out. But his top artist was Power Man 5000, Pitbull, Avatar, Rob Zombie, and Volbeat. He listened to 26,594 minutes of music. 
Rock was his top his top genre. Oh my gosh, half Oh god. Half of his songs are cut off. Oh, this is not good. I don't know what these songs are. Oh boy. There's one called Supernova on here. Supervillain, nobody's real. Uh, how to be a, I don't know what that says at the end of it, and then don't stop the, I don't know what the other one is. This is why people don't, you don't do big song names. And I believe this was RC's, um, his rap for the year. He listened to 54,292 minutes of music. He beat both me and JC pretty combined, actually. 50, uh, no, I think we would have edged out. Oh, we definitely would have edged out RC in the amount of music that we listened to. But his um, his top artists were Stain, Mudvayne, Koblai Khan, TX. You guys are going to have to excuse me. Some of these names I just do not know. Jelly Roll and then Slipknot was his number five. Lowest in Me, Dig, Blow It Up, Wannabe, and then In This Condition, I believe is what this is. Were his top five songs. Alternative metal was RC's final top genre. So there you have it. We got through the Spotify wrapped, which honestly is insane. Oh, we did get to meet up. The three of us, the boys, got to go meet up at the Iowa Tap Room. Or Tap House, Tap Room. One of the two. We got to go meet up down there earlier this summer, which was super, super fun. The boys were going to a concert down at Woolies, and then I was just kind of chilling around, just doing some just doing some out and about stuff, was enjoying my afternoon, and we decided to go out and get some lunch. So shout out to the boys, JC and RC, getting it done on the pod. Oh boy, where are we at now? So I've got 55 here on the Google Drive. We're trying to Get these downloaded here. So there's 57 on that. There's 58. We're going to have to find 56. But we're just going to download 57 for now. Or 55 for now. Sorry about that. Like I said, we're trying to get through as much as possible for everybody. So that way we can, I can get this kind of rolling after the podcast here. For those of you wondering the date of this recording, it is the 28th. Uh, or 28th of December. Hope you all had a Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Kwanzaa. Don't know what you all celebrate, but hopefully you guys just had a happy holiday. We'll leave it there, even though that is generic. And at some points, like if it's Kwanzaa, say happy Kwanzaa. If it's Hanukkah, say happy Hanukkah. And if it's Christmas, say Merry Christmas. Just, and it, 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 it I know it's politically correct to say happy holidays, but sometimes you got to take a shot in the dark. It, it's just, it, it is how it is. That's what we do sometimes. But yes, happy holidays to everybody. Hope you guys had a great time with your family and friends. Hopefully you guys enjoyed the holiday festivities. I know if you guys celebrate Christmas, there's the skeptical um, stigmatism of it is a drinking holiday. Well, it, it definitely is for some people. So hopefully you guys had some good drinks, good times with friends and family throughout all your holidays. And we got one more coming up. New Year's Eve, one of the biggest nights of the year, if not the top night of parties for the year. And I believe, actually, one of the top nights of partying for holidays is Blackout Wednesday on Thanksgiving, which you wouldn't fi- or you would find that kind of shocking, but then when you really look back at it, everybody comes back into town, everybody's enjoying their time with friends and family. <sighs> I don't know. Uh, what else? Oh, speaking of that, 
If you guys haven't checked them out, if you guys are big Christmas music fans, Mannheim Steamroller came into Omaha last week. Excuse me. Mannheim Steamroller came into Omaha last week on Friday, December 22nd. Me and the whole family went. We were originally supposed to go, I believe, last year in 2022, or if not, 21, and that got canceled because they oversold tickets on the extra secondhand ticket sales, and they oversold them, so a lot of seats got cut. We were sadly one of them, so then we ended up just going out to dinner as a family, having some fun, but we got to go this year to Mannheim Steamroller. One of the top, if not the top, I believe is what they said, the top Christmas music sales in history so far for the genre, which is absolutely incredible. If you guys do not know who Mannheim Steamroller is, they are a just very, very good band. They play a lot of just kind of class. It's kind of like Trans-Siberian Orchestra. They play a lot of classical Christmas music, but they add their own kind of rock twist on it, which is super fun. Absolutely loved it. The light show was pretty damn good. Just the concert itself was absolutely awesome, which was super, super fun. All the entire family enjoyed it, and they honestly played one of my uncle's favorite songs. So here, I gotta, I gotta do a little look up here for just to make sure I get all the information right. Just to type this in here, Mannheim Steamroller is a music ensemble. We get it. So Chip Davis started the band in 1974. For those of you who don't know. And then the 70s genre of country was really big back then. And so he ended up working with an artist named C.W. McCall. And one of my uncle's favorite songs is Convoy by C.W. McCall. And if you guys haven't listened to the song Convoy, go give it a listen. It's honestly kind of hilarious. But Convoy is such a good song. It's definitely one of the most interesting out of the genre, I believe, in the 70s. So that was super fun that he actually played that because he worked with him. And so the band ended up playing Convoy my uncle was just absolutely thriving. He was loving every minute of it, which was super, super fun to see. And we just had ourselves a blast, which was super fun. And then we ended up going out to a couple of the bars in Omaha. If you guys are ever downtown Omaha looking for a good place to go, go to the Dubliner. Um, that's downtown. And then right across the street from that, the Dubliner is a Creighton bar. So Creighton University, a lot of the kids go there. Um, students, I should say, I shouldn't say kids, students go there. And then we went to this bar called T. Henry's across the street. If you guys are looking to play some bar games and actually like, it's going to be loud in there. So heads up. But if you guys are looking to play some bar games, they've got a pool table. They've got beer pong. That's right. You heard me beer pong. They've got two pool tables. They've got darts. I believe they've got a ping pong board as well in there. So it's just a grand old time. Make sure you guys go to T. Henry's. It's super, super fun. It's I'm not plugging because they're paying us to. I wish they would. That'd be so fun. But no, T. Henry's is such a good bar to go to. And honestly, I enjoy it a lot. Me and the cousins always enjoy going to it. Gosh dang it, I had this whole thing open. And we're going to do this. Download another episode. Get that ready to go for everybody. So yeah, but Mannheim Steamroller is super fun. If you guys are into the holiday festive music, then go see them. But yeah, that was pretty much my my week last week. And then Christmas was super good. Got to spend it just chilling at home. Had to come back to work, which was nice. Kind of a short, that's back-to-back short weeks here. Honestly, kind of throws you off a schedule super bad. Just because you kind of feel like you're all compressed. You still have time, but it's just like, it's constricting. <sighs> so yeah, there you go. There's Nick's, I guess, soapbox for the day. We're kind of running it. It's definitely a weird episode to talk about. At the end of the year, I mean, you're now going into 2024. A lot of new stuff is going to be happening. 
for everybody, obviously. The whole new year, new me. Okay, good. Glad everybody's on that train. You go do that. Just enjoy yourselves. Go have fun. The new year, new me shit is just, to me personally, it kind of gets old because everybody, it's kind of like the whole gym membership where everybody kind of gets into the gym membership and then decides like about halfway through that, like two months in, everybody just gets busy and (laughs) forgets about it. It's it's all down the road. Just do what you want to do, guys. Just go have fun. It's a new year. It's the same stuff. New year. Go have fun. Go enjoy your life. Go buy a new car. Go to a different state. Go to a different country. Do whatever you guys need to do to get your heads out of just chaos. Because trust me, I think everybody needs to get their head out of the chaos. It's There's a lot of chaos going on. Boy, I feel like I'm giving you guys a TED Talk. And we're 20 minutes into this, and we haven't even gotten to a lot of the, the good stuff yet about what we're doing. Oh, boy, I've got the bowling stuff. GoBowling.com. That bowl game. Goodness. Well, we'll hop into a little bit of sports here. Not a not a whole lot, except for the fact that over Christmas, within the span of a week, the Dodgers spent over $1 billion getting Otani, Yamamoto, and Glass now. Yamamoto came from the Japanese League. He was on the World Baseball Classic team with Shohei Otani. Those two became good buddies, and now he's playing with the Dodgers as well. And then they picked up Tyler Glass now, and that that's just going to be destructive. The running joke is, which is honestly huge, and it's super it's super accurate. So all you Dodgers fans, get ready to have just your balloons bursted. The running joke, the Dodgers literally paid $1 billion to win against everybody in the regular season and not win a World Series. The proof has been put in the pudding numerous times. Numerous times for the Dodgers. So if you guys are Dodgers fans, you guys better buckle up for a lot of heartache coming at the end of the season because I know there's going to be a lot of Dodgers fans. We paid Shohei Otani how much money. We paid Yamamoto. We paid Glass now. Guys, it's it's baseball. Be happy your team is spending money. You have the top salary cap in baseball, and you're spending money. Are the Cubs spending money? No. Are the Yankees really spending money? No. The Cardinals? Not really. So far, the Dodgers have been the first team to really spend a dime. And by a dime, I mean a pretty penny. And by a pretty penny, I mean $1 billion of a pretty freaking good penny. So, if you can't tell how PO'd I am about it, yeah, I'm PO'd. So, congrats to the Dodgers for winning the regular season, I guess. We'll see you in the World Series and let me know how it goes. I say that with the biggest confidence in the world, and I know that the Dodgers are going to kick kick the Cubs' ass, even though the Cubs can still pull it off if they, you know, spend a little bit of moolah here. Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. Well, we'll hop into a little NFL talk here. Just kind of, we'll do some quick rundowns. We're not going to spend too much time on it because I know you guys got to get through your end of the year here. So far in the in the playoffs, this is coming down to the wire for some teams. There's knocking on heaven's door for a lot of them, put, getting on the getting the church pews out and going praying at the steeple for some teams. And that's a lot of teams in the AFC. So how the playoff bracket or how the standings look right now so far for the playoffs. 
In the AFC, Baltimore is number one overall, 12-3. and three. Huge win over the 49ers this past week. Lamar Jackson looked outstanding. Baltimore defense able to shut down Brock Purdy, which Purdy had a couple of interceptions, but a couple of them were not truly hit, like not. You know how interceptions for a quarterback are legitimately the quarterback's fault? He had maybe one of those, in my opinion. The other two, I believe he threw four. The other couple of interceptions were not there. All right. Here's here's the hot take. Now, this is going to change a lot of football, and you cannot go back and change this. But if you could change it, is there a way that you could actually go back to look at interceptions thrown for quarterbacks and actually count that towards the stat if it was truly the quarterback's fault? So let me, let me iterate this here. Should it count on a quarterback stat line if the receiver, <clears throat> Kadarius Tony, literally drops the ball out of his hands and it gets picked off? Or it slips through his hands and gets picked off? Should that count towards the quarterback or the receiver for the interception? Now, granted, I get the whole meaning behind the rule of the interception because, yes, the quarterback in, in a lot of cases makes a horrible throw or he throws it too long, just barely. The defensive back is coming up through it gets the pick, whatever, jumps the route, doesn't see him, all that good stuff. I get where that lies, and I get where you can't make that call of, yeah, you got to go back through football, and you can't do that, ah, blah, blah, blah. There's new eras of sports every single year, or every single few years. I get that. But in my opinion, in a lot of quarterbacks' cases, you have a lot of receivers that just have stone hands, and the ball ends up going through them or bounces off of them, and it gets picked off, and it hits them in the chest. And granted, I can't say shit, because I'm currently sitting here recording a podcast for you guys, and it's not my job getting paid in the NFL or getting paid in NIL deals in college. Speaking of that, that's a hot topic as well. Now I'm getting paid in those deals to go out and play football. I get that. That's not my skill set. That's not what I'm paid for. I'm not that athletic to go do that. As athletic as I am, I'm not that athletic. I can't make the big bucks. Also, I didn't play football long enough. Regardless, I... The statement still stands, man. I personally think that quarterbacks sometimes get gypped on the interceptions that they throw just because the receivers, running backs, tight ends, they don't catch the ball. So, with that being said, the Ravens are back at a number one seed overall at 12-3. and three. The Dolphins are sitting at 11-4. and four. The Chiefs, this is where it gets interesting. The Chiefs are currently sitting at 9-6. and six. They're at the top of the AFC West. They've got... Or they've got Oakland. They've got the Las Vegas Raiders who beat them at Arrowhead handily. Laid the smackdown on them. They're knocking on the door. The Broncos are still trying to knock on the door. And who else to try to do it this week except, oh, you guessed it, a backup quarterback for the Broncos. A backup quarterback in this league once again. Add the Denver Broncos to the list of the team with a backup quarterback. That makes, like, I think 18 teams this year in the NFL that have had a backup. How how shocking is that? This season has been a just total cluster of the backups. And a lot of backups have done good. Honestly. Joe Flacco, Cleveland Browns, rolling right now. Then you... You look at the Ravens, they haven't had a backup, but you look at the Jets, they've had four. They got pounded tonight by the Browns. You look at the Chiefs, they haven't had a backup. You look at the Dolphins, they haven't had a backup. Jacksonville had to have a backup for a game. The Bills haven't had to have one. 
Colts have had a backup in Gardner Minshew. The Texans now had a backup after C.J. Stroud has, has had his concussion. The Steelers, backup. Bengals, backup. Raiders, backup. Titans, backup. Chargers, backup. Pats, multiple backups. The list goes on and on and on. Starting the camera back over here as we take a Bush Latte sip. Enjoying the podcast here. But going back through it, the Jags currently sitting at the four spot. The Browns have clinched a playoff berth sitting at 11-5. and five. Excuse me. Sitting at second atop the AFC North, just behind the Baltimore Ravens, which honestly, this Cleveland Browns team's looking scary. Joku is looking, he played phenomenal tonight. He's been playing phenomenal the last couple of weeks. It also helps when you get Super Bowl MVP Joe Flacco, who loves to throw the ball to a tight end. That's that's his bread and butter. That's what he used to do at Baltimore. He still loves to go on his accurate passing skill. The play action is still his best attribute. But Joe Flacco loves his tight ends. The Bills currently sitting at the sixth spot. They're holding one of the top wild card spots. They're at nine and six. Then you got the Colts at, at the seventh spot, eight and seven. Houston, eight and seven. Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, both eight and seven. Pittsburgh is ahead of the Bengals. So, and Pittsburgh holds the tiebreaker over Cincinnati. Cincinnati needs a win to keep themselves alive against the Chiefs this weekend. The Raiders sitting at seven and eight. Their playoff hopes still alive. The Broncos sitting at seven and eight. They're Excuse me, the Broncos' playoff hopes are still alive. Russell Wilson getting benched this week. Now, the this is a smart move by Denver, so you can let him go, because the Russell Wilson experiment has not worked out the way that Denver thought it was. Sean Payton came into this program thinking, oh yeah, this will be a good fit. No, Russ, Russ, in my opinion, at the beginning of the year, like when we first got Russ, was like, all right, this is this is good. Like, this, this can help. It has not. There have been times where Russ has shown former Russ potential, and then there are times where he's just gone. And I get it. Age and football do not go well. For some people it does. For Russ, it just has not. So let's let's take a look at this now, because this the Broncos have the Chargers coming up this week. Chargers are out of playoff contention, thank the Lord. Let's look at the backup starter here. Jared Stidham for the Broncos was... I believe, voted the starter for Denver. He was currently out of Auburn. I'm not sure if he is a rookie. He has not played a single game this season. Actually, he is a rookie. No, he has a career stat line. Never known this guy. Never known Stedham. He played in... Played in a couple of, it looks like, games earlier in the regular season. About it. Yep, not, or not the regular season. He might have played some spring training games, or he's got a career stat line. Let's see this here. So career. Oh, he played 19 for New England, 20 for New England, and then he played for the Las Vegas Raiders. Interesting, in 22. So he does have stats. He has played in the league. I just guess I never knew him. Oops. Then. This is what I want to see. I don't know why we're going with Stedham. I want to see my boy Ben DiNucci. Oh, good old Benny boy on the Broncos just looks good. Old QB out of James Madison, the Dukes. Rocking it through. 
Ben DiNucci in his NFL career with the Dallas Cowboys. Gotta love Ben DiNucci. Oh, my goodness. Those games with the Cowboys back in 2020. Ben DiNucci. Stud. Give me Ben DiNucci on the helm. But anyways, the Broncos have a backup quarterback. Add them to the roster of teams with backups. Russell Wilson gets benched. Re- reiterating, I guess. <sighs> it's tough, tough sledding for the Broncos. But Sean Payton, I think, has this team going in the right direction. I think every fan says that every single year. But it's it's what we got. Throwing it to the NFC side, the San Francisco 49ers still have the top spot currently right now. They've got the one over because they have the tiebreaker over Philadelphia and Dallas. And by tiebreakers over both of them, the, the curb stomping that it was. So San Francisco sitting at 11-4. and four. They have the win overall, as well as they have a win over Detroit. So San Francisco is the number one seed overall in the playoffs. Philadelphia currently sits at 11-4 as well. They are the two seeds so far right now. The Lions sitting at the three. They are number one in the NFC North after the win over Minnesota. They are just absolutely rolling crazy in Detroit. First time they won an NFC North title in 28 years. Dan Campbell, my man. I'm not a Lions fan by by just fan base. Like, I'm not that, the Lions aren't my team, but Dan Campbell, I respect you as a coach. I respect the things that you have done with this program to turn the Lions around. You have been absolute, an absolute baller for the Lions, and I mean, hell, it's proven. You're 11-4, and four, picking up Jared Goff was a huge help. Then you got, um, you have Armois St. Brown on the outside edge, which is a big thing for you. Then you got Aiden Hutchinson on defense as well as you've got David Montgomery. That's a huge pickup. You've got multiple weapons as wide receivers. So, Dan Campbell, I hope you and the Lions are able to uh, push aside the woes of the playoffs. The Buccaneers have a big game coming up this week against the Saints. They're sitting at the four spot at eight and seven. The Bucs have the Saints, which potentially could be huge in that AFC or in that NFC South. That is just an absolute cluster of of a standing here. You've got Atlanta sitting at seven and eight. You've got New Orleans sitting at seven and eight, and then you've got eight and seven Tampa. So this is going to be a sweaty weekend for these teams because I mean this is going to be a big weekend to see if the Bucks can actually clinch it. This is going to be a big weekend to see if the Saints can cause some turmoil, and then the Falcons, who I believe. <laughs> As I'm looking at the schedules here, the Falcons are currently kind of being one of those teams. Uh, they they just got to do what they got to do. They've got the Bears this week, and they got the Saints coming up next week to close out the season. So, Atlanta, if you went out, welcome to the top spot, unless Tampa decides to struggle. The Cowboys clinch their spot as the uh, two-seed coming from the, AFC, or the NFC East, which used to be the NFC least. Currently, there's two teams from that. Um, division that made the playoffs. The other two teams are still least. Poor Giants. Poor Danny DeVito, or Tommy DeVito. His his little reign of terror in the NFL has been short lived. Oh, but then the Los Angeles Rams eight and seven. Seattle Seahawks at eight and seven. They control the two top wild card spots there as well. Minnesota seven and eight. Atlanta seven and eight. They're still alive. Cream Bay is still alive at seven and eight. The Saints are still alive at seven and eight. And then here we go. Again on my own. Going down the only road I thought we'd never know. 
White Snake, if you're listening to this, please don't copyright me. The Chicago Bears at six and nine. Six and nine are still playoff contenders. Some way, somehow, shape, form, they have not been eliminated. I'm sorry, JC, but that's that's shocking to a lot of people, I think. Gonna make sure the camera is recording. We are recording. Oh boy, we tipped that one upside down, didn't we? So, looking at schedules here for the National Football League coming up this week. Cleveland kicked the Jets square in the face. 37 to 20. It was a definitely a lot closer game or finished in a lot closer game than I thought a lot of people would expect to just because of how it started. And by how it started, I mean that game was going into turmoil for for the Jets. Detroit Dallas on the Saturday matchup. That game is going to be incredibly interesting to watch. This is at AT&T Stadium in Dallas. So one I'm hoping Detroit goes in and kicks the living crap out of the out of the Cowboys or at least at least steals the win like the Dolphins did cuz that was also a huge game to watch last week. Coming up on Sunday slate, you got the Pats at the Bills, Falcons at the Bears, Raiders at Colts, Rams at the Giants. Arizona at Philly, Saints, Bucks, 49ers, Washington, Carolina versus Jacksonville, the number one draft pick, even though the Bears might trade up, Miami versus Baltimore, Tennessee versus Houston, the Miami-Baltimore game, the Cowboys and Dolphins game last week was just an absolute dogfight. That's what I was expecting against the Niners and the Ravens. Now I don't know what to expect out of this game. It's either going to go dogfight or somebody's going to get blown out of the water. And honestly, I don't know who it's going to be if they get blown out. Because I know Mike McDaniel and that that Dolphins offense is just absolutely just out, out of the world. I mean, that guy is like Elon Musk for football. Love Mike McDaniel. Tennessee versus Houston. Pittsburgh versus Seattle. Denver and the Chargers kick off at 325. The 3 o'clock slate starts now. So Pittsburgh and Seattle start off at 3 o'clock. Chargers, Denver, then the Bengals and the Chiefs finally wrap out the 325 slate. And then on Sunday night football, we have the Green Bay Packers versus the Minnesota Vikings. And no Monday night game. So there you go. There you have it. There's the NFL. A lot of playoff implications still to come here. The Packers and the Vikings game could be very pivotal to see which team kind of comes out on top there. The Broncos need a win to keep their playoff hopes alive. Kansas City needs a win to make sure that that, NFC, or that AFC West spot just stays on lock. Cincinnati needs a win to keep their playoff hopes alive as well. Pittsburgh has a NFC matchup against Seattle. So there you go. And Drew Locke last week leading Seattle. Shout out to the, the former Bronco and Missouri Tiger there for Drew Locke. I mean, there's been a lot of good... A lot of good backup stories when they come in early this season, and that's the thing that I love is just the backups this year have been they've been proving themselves for a couple of games, and then all of a sudden they kind of hit the hit the fan and just tank down a little bit. But it should be interesting to see how how this year kind of shakes up with trades and and whatnot because Gardner Minshew's been making his his case known for a possible trade or a starting spot, even though I know um, Anthony Richardson for Indianapolis has been a huge add-on because the Colts were doing very well with Anthony Richardson. I know that C.J. Stroud um, and the Texans are going to be pretty hot next year. They still got Tank Dell. Hopefully he comes back from his broken femur. You got Singletary as well. 
You got Nico Collins, Dalton Schultz, if you guys can sign him to another contract as a Texan, that would be huge for you because, I mean, that's been a big weapon for C.J. Stroud as well. Bryce Young and the Carolina Panthers just built some talent around the kid. I guarantee you he'll he'll come out of his shell a little bit, but you got to help the man. Adam Thielen is not the only help that that kid can have. Jacksonville, guy's got a lot of work to do to try to actually become the playoff team that you could be. We saw this back in, what was it, 2020? Well, it was 2017 or 18 with Blake Bortles leading the Jags to a playoff. Same different. Same story, different era. Oh, a lot of good teams. A lot of good teams still on the board here left for the playoffs. This one should be an interesting year. I can't really say that I have a team that is like standout will win the Super Bowl. I think that the 49ers are a front runner. They got to pass through a just dominant Ravens team to get there or a dominant Dolphins team to get there to win it. They also got to pass through some very good teams on their own side of the bracket. They got to pass through a Dallas team who in the playoffs is not. And just push them. Off to the side. You got a good Eagles team that has looked a little strugglish, a little sluggish past couple of weeks, but the Eagles in the playoffs come ready to play. I mean, there's a lot of good teams here, and who knows? They could get upset in the first round as well. You got a Detroit team in the NFC who is dying to get their claws synced in to an NFC title game and win and a potential Super Bowl bid. I mean, there's a lot of good teams sitting there on that NFC side that just are looking to hoist that trophy up at the end of the year. AFC side as well. Now we'll hop into a little college football just to kind of get this topic out of the way. And one, as I take another sip, Arizona beating the Boomer Sooners. 9-3 Arizona currently in the Valero Alamo Bowl winning 38-24 over the 12th ranked Oklahoma Sooners. That has 2 minutes and 56 seconds left to go. It looks like Arizona is going to close this one out. But another New Year's Six Bowl, not on the New Year's Day. Weird. So with that, bowl season has been has been a been a hot one. The last couple of bowl games here. We had on Tuesday, December 26th, Minnesota ends up beating Bowling Green. Texas State ends up beating Rice and Kansas. The Jayhawks come out ready to play 49-36 over UNLV. The Rock Chalk Jayhawks are back to a football powerhouse for what they had for a couple of years back in the early 2000s. Louisville and USC. USC comes out ready to go. Caleb Williams and that Trojan and that Lincoln Riley Trojan offense. 42-28. Texas A&M, Oklahoma State. This was an absolute battle. Texas A&M quarterback had to end up leaving with an injury. 31-23 Oklahoma State over the former Big 12 rival Texas A&M Aggies. Virginia Tech, Tulane, Virginia Tech stomping Tulane, 41-20. North Carolina, West Virginia. West Virginia ends up beating Mac Brown on the Tar Heels, 32-10. The Big 12 showing out in their bowl games this year. You love to see it, honestly. The Big 12 always looks strong, except for Oklahoma right now which, honestly, still a close game against a very good Arizona Pac-12 team. Next matchup's coming up as well. So far today on Thursday, Rutgers, the Scarlet Knights, with a win over Miami. That's huge for Rutgers. That's a win over an ACC opponent. That's a win over a Power 5. The Scarlet Knights coming in. 
in the mowers pin, in the bad boy mowers pinstripe bowl, 31-24 over Miami. Boston College beats out 24th ranked SMU. 23-17, and then Kansas State and NC State going into a dogfight. Kansas State and the Wildcats get that 29-28. or 29-28. Words are hard. Numbers are hard. We're not mathing on this podcast today. 28-19. The Wolfpack fall short once again in the Pop-Tart Bowl, but Kansas State gets to host that. If you guys haven't seen the Toaster Trophy, that is freaking sick. I would hoist that thing up high. I'm a big Pop-Tarts kid. Pop-Tarts guy. I've said kid too much. Pop-Tarts guy. And that's pretty damn cool that they got to hoist that up. So if you guys haven't seen the trophy, go look at that for the Pop-Tarts Bowl. It was pretty dope. Coming up Friday, so tomorrow, December 29th, whenever this episode gets out, these games might be done. Probably a few of them will be done at least. Excuse me. Going into it, starting off the the slate at 11 a.m. on Friday. Clemson, number 22, takes on Kentucky. In the Gator Tax or in the Tax Slater Gator Bowl, Gator Bowl. Let me enunciate my words. The Gator Bowl. I'm just off my rocker tonight. Oregon State, the 19th ranked Beavers, take on the 16th ranked Notre Dame Irish in the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl. Now this one is going to be an interesting matchup here. You got a Notre Dame team who is still independent with Sam Harding, very good quarterback. Then you got an Oregon State. A dog in the Pac-12. Potentially had a shot at a big tw- or a Pac-12 title this year. Ended up falling a little bit short, losing a couple of crucial games, especially to Washington. That was a big, big blow for Oregon State. But Oregon State is a team that I think can compete, and if they keep their their pride running here, I believe they're the they're one of the last teams of the Pac-12 to not move into a conference. So that will be interesting to see if they are able to bounce somewhere and go and continue to play good. Because, I mean, the Pac-12 this year in the last couple of years has been kind of growing steadily, which sucks because it's their last year as a conference. And a lot of people are going to say, well, Nick, the Pac-12 just sucks anyways. I'm sorry you think that. I get it. The Pac-12 has never been a strong conference. But this year, the last two years, they've been dogs. They've been fighting their way through it. You've had Washington. You've had Oregon. You've had Oregon State the last couple of years fighting their way through. Memphis, Iowa State for the Liberty Bowl for all you Cyclone fans out there. That one's coming up at 2.30 on Friday. Missouri, Ohio State, number ninth ranked Missouri, takes on number seven Ohio State. A lot of people are thinking that Missouri is going to get just beat down. The talk of the town is there. I get where everybody's going for it. I would like to personally see Missouri win. I'm not a big Buckeye fan at all. Ryan Day in that program, you got a good program. I get it. I like it. Go for it. You do you, folks. I think Ohio State will win. I would like to see Missouri win. That closes out the nightcap game at 7. That is in the Goodyear Cotton Bowl. A New Year's Six Bowl, not on New Year's Day. What's up with it? On a Friday. Really? Unbelievable. I don't know. I don't know why I get so angry at it, but I do. Not a fan. Coming up to round out the rest of the games here. We'll get into these. On Saturday, December 30th, you've got Ole Miss and Penn State, number 11 versus 10 in the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl, Ole Miss versus Penn State. I actually kind of like Ole Miss in this game. I know this Penn State team is a very, very tough team. Ole Miss's defense has come out strong this season as well as they still have one of the best running backs in the league. Um, so I think that Ole Miss will at least give Penn State a run for their money. They don't have the wideout. They don't have Happy Valley, which honestly, Penn State plays very good on the road. Coach Franklin has done a very nice job with that Penn State team. Auburn, Maryland coming up in the Music City Bowl. That one is at 1 o'clock. I like this Maryland team, man. 
The Terps have been rolling this year. They had a potential shot at the Big Ten West title or a Big Ten East, uh, Big Ten East running. If it wasn't for Ohio State and Michigan, they gave some hard-fought battles to Michigan and Ohio State. Georgia, Florida State, everybody's going to talk about this one. In the Capital One Orange Bowl, that game is at three. I will be watching that game. Um, go Knowles. Go Knowles all the way. So, that's that's where I stand on that. Is Georgia probably going to win? Eh, it might be another TCU showing, but go Knowles. Finally, to round out the game, which honestly, why is... Why is the Florida State, why is the Orange Bowl at 3 in the afternoon on a Saturday? Are you kidding me? Really? Somebody's got to talk to the NCAA. This is just absolute bullshit. The Orange Bowl at 3.30. I get so fed up with this crap, and I don't even know why. Whatever, man. You fun haters go. Toledo versus Wyoming comes up in the Barstool Sports Arizona Bowl. 3.30. The Orange Bowl comes during the same time. Whatever. F it. I don't think I've said an F word on this podcast. Go me. Honestly. So now we get to Monday. We get to January 1st. No New Year's Eve bowl games. Why? Wisconsin takes on LSU in the the Rayola Quest Relay? Relaya? Quest Bowl? Whatever. Wisconsin takes on number 13, LSU. Liberty, number 23, goes up against Bo Nix and the Oregon Ducks at number 8 in the country in the Verbo Fiesta Bowl. I want the Tostitos Fiesta Bowl back because that was just more fun. But give me Liberty. The Fiesta Bowl is meant for the underdogs. Give me Liberty or give me death. Ha! See what I did there? (laughs) Oh, somebody's going to hate me for that statement. I guess it throws it back all the way to the beginning of the 1760s. Or 1770s. American Constitution. Rocket. Iowa, for all you Hawkeye fans out there. Number 17, Iowa, in the Citrus Bowl versus number 21, Tennessee. That game is at noon on New Year's Day. Then we got the college football playoff. We got number four, Alabama, who snuck in on an an SS. Ah. Number four, Alabama, sneaks in on a SEC title to the college football playoff to face number one, Michigan, in the Rose Bowl. Now, here's the way this is, this is going to go. I'm going to go with Michigan because I think that this Michigan team with a full, healthy Blake Corum, a C.J. McCarthy who is playing with a lot of swagger and a very good depth of offense for this Michigan team and Jim Harbaugh, I like Michigan in this game. I really do. Because I think that Justin uh, Jaden Milrow, excuse me, is going to be a little bit shaky for his first playoff game. He's going to be shaky with the crowd and the situation. This Alabama offense has looked good, okay, this season, but they haven't looked the best that, that Alabama has usually been, and that's where I kind of draw that line. But here's the, here's the way of the land. Here, everybody knows that this game is going to be Alabama wins because that is what everybody wants to see. Because the SEC is king. The SEC is supreme. The SEC rules the NCAA. You know what? Screw you. Give me Michigan over Alabama. I want the Wolverines. And I'm not a Michigan fan at all. But I hate Alabama. Number three, Texas versus number two, Washington. 
I have a little bit of bias in this. I am a Closet Texas fan. And I can't say I'm a Closet Texas fan because I've been a Texas fan since 2005. And Vince Young, I was really little. Call me a bandwagon. I've still been a fan of Texas. Now, you have the college football playoff Sugar Bowl. Three versus two. This is where the, the theory kicks in here, the fan theory. I like Washington in this game. I think Steve Sarkeesian in this Texas offense is fantastic. I think Quinn Ewers is a good quarterback. But I think when you really look at this Washington team, I think that Washington is all around a little bit more of the better team. Obviously, they went undefeated. Texas's only loss was to Oklahoma in the Red River, which is fine. It's still a good Oklahoma team. But I, I really like this Washington team. But here's the kicker. This is the fan theory. Everybody's going for an 0-9 rematch of Alabama versus Texas. That, let me know what you guys think on that. I personally think that if the NCAA does that somehow, if it, if it that's how it gets to it, honestly, then yes, that's probably two of the best teams in college football. But if you watch that game and calls aren't made, there's going to be a lot of questions. And this Texas team is good. This Texas team is legit. You made it all the way back to a top three spot after everybody saying, we're back, we're back, we're back. Sam Ellinger saying we're back after winning the Sugar Bowl two years ago. Ah, okay. Now you guys have proven that. Now you just have to keep that momentum going. And if you guys lose against Washington, that's a good Washington team to lose to. You lost to the number two team of the country. You lost to a team that is... Had a Heisman Trophy finalist who should have won the Heisman, in my opinion. You had a team that has just been absolutely playing through a gauntlet of a schedule with the Pac-12. Tell, tell me where Texas is supposed to go wrong if they lose this game and saying they're not back. And then, obviously, Monday, January 8th, is the championship. I like Washington versus Michigan in the national title. I think, personally, it's going to go down to a lot of stuff coming up in this, but I like Washington and Michigan in the final on January 8th. That's where I'm going. I'll make my national championship prediction when we get there, but hey. But now I want to talk about something that is really kind of, it really nags me, and especially it nags me when bowl season comes around. Because it's been, it's now, this has been worse than ever. The transfer portal in college sports has been one of the biggest helps to the games and to the teams. Because you guys can pick up guys and they can play immediately. But here's the problem with this. Bull season is going is getting absolutely shit on, and I hate every bit of it. Like every bit of it. You get guys that are leaving their teams in the bowl game because it's a six and six team. You guys played in a bowl. It doesn't matter. The name's not there. Dude, grow up. I get the fact I'm not playing for a team anymore. I get the fact that I'm not. I'm not out there. That's fine. And my camera just shut off, and that's really, that sucks. Because now I'm going to go on my rant here. I get the fact that this is all some, it's it's your guys' game. Like, you do what you guys do. But you guys cannot leave your team like this, man. And I'm going to turn my camera back on. I do have another battery here. We're going to see if we can get this rolling. I'm going to reiterate some stuff here just so we can get a couple of clips because that's so you guys can go back and watch this because I am passionate about this subject because, I mean, it sucks. It's not cool for team or for players to do this. Camera's back up and rolling. We're okay here, and we're good. So going back to say this, guys, it sucks to see players leave their teams for – 
because it's a 6-6 six and six bowl game or because they have a starting quarterback that just got recruited, the phone call came in two days before they played the bowl game or two weeks before they were supposed to start practicing for it, whatever. The phone call came in and said, oh, yeah, we got the five-star recruit or, hey, we got the new QB coming in um, or your quarterback decides to stay. Guys, play the game. You only get take it from a college athlete. You only get so much time to play the game that you love and to play with the guys that you built a bond with for an entire season, for two years, three years, four years, whatever it is. If you have that red that red shooter, that fifth year spot, seriously, don't give it up. Even if it is the Pop Tart Bowl as a six and six team, even if it is Georgia Southern versus Ohio. McCord, Kyle McCord, and this is the biggest thing that I think Ohio State is going to struggle with this year in their bowl game against Missouri. Kyle McCord is transferred, or is in the transfer portal. He does not get to play in the Ohio State-Missouri bowl game, in the Cotton Bowl. Said, done, signed, sealed, delivered. It absolutely astonishes me that these guys are deciding to do that, especially when you're a team at Ohio, or a player at Ohio State, you're the quarterback for the team, and you leave. Like I said, I get the fact that this is not my decision to make. It's not my life. It's everybody else's life, and I get that 100%. But, guys, this comes down to a team aspect. This comes down to morality. This comes down to everything. The transfer portal has turned, especially college football, has turned it into a world of, oh, yeah, I gotta now, now i got to go try to get my shot somewhere else. Which is great for some players that get overlooked. For backup quarterbacks that actually, okay, their guy is coming down. If you don't think that you can beat him out, and you don't try, that's one thing. That's a thing that is totally just beyond aggravating. But seriously, if you are competing with him and he is beating you, but you are giving it your heart and soul and you know that you can make a difference somewhere else, go. By all means. There is a difference to how the transfer portal is supposed to work. There really is when this was set up. It was set up with a great ideology. It was set up with a perfect idea to get players that chance to go somewhere, start, and be able to make an impact at different schools to be able to get themselves into a draft class, to be able to get themselves that opportunity of even a better education at some points. But the fact of the matter is, I think the power of the transfer portal is getting abused by a lot of players. You guys can correct me if I'm wrong. I'm I'm sticking with my gun on that. That's That's how I like to say it. That's kind of how I see it. And that's black and white to me, honestly. The transfer portal has kind of ruined college football, and it sucks. Other sports, Nebraska Volleyball picked up Merritt Beeson from Florida, but she waited until the end of the year. She came over, and she played an entire season with Nebraska. I hope she stays for the next year because she's going to be a senior next year because she's an absolute animal on the court, and she is fantastic as a volleyball player. Potential Olympiad. I don't know where she's going to stay. I don't know if girls from Texas on the volleyball team, speaking of which, Nebraska ended up losing to Texas in the national title in volleyball. They got swept. Texas ended up getting back-to-back sweeps for back-to-back national titles, which is thoroughly impressive with the Longhorns, by the way. Um, I was a little bit happy on that as being a Texas fan. But regardless, it, it's the same difference in college sports. Some girl, some women athletes and male athletes will leave to actually go to a better place and be successful. Some will just leave because they can't beat out the former guy or the former gal that was sitting in their spot. And they just they don't want to try anymore. Now there is a time where yeah you gotta call it quits and you gotta go try somewhere else. But at the same time, if you guys haven't given it your all, then that sucks. I don't know what to tell you. So that's my rant on that. NIL deals also. 
this is the thing that I'm the NIL. I'm at a loss for words with that too. You're getting guys that haven't even set foot on the field. Arch Manning for Texas has $2.7 million coming from this in the NIL. Brock Purdy is getting paid as a quarterback in the NFL who won a, who got a team to an NFC championship. After being the third string backup, Mr. Irrelevant in the draft, he's only getting paid $870,000. College kids are making more money than NFL football players on their contracts. That is bizarre. Backups are making money. If you got a name to it, you're making money. If you got these... Colorado is the biggest example of this. Shadur Sanders and his brother have been in ads all across it. Dion has been in ads all across the mainstream media. And I'm not saying anything about it bad, but at the same time, it's like, okay, Shadur was on that list before he even made a start. There are guys making start like haven't even made starts that are making millions of dollars on NIL deals. What are we doing? The NIL was supposed to be made so college players can get a little bit of money because they can't work and now they're getting paid millions of dollars as 18-year-olds as 20-year-olds that haven't even been to the league yet, that don't even have agents to know what they're doing. Their parents are thousands of miles away, depending on where you're going. You don't know what you're doing with this money. And here's the other thing. it's There are so many different ways to go at this, and it, this is where it gets me. My dad and I have talked about this at some point, of the potential of if you get an NIL deal now with this, but you're on a full-ride scholarship, that scholarship could potentially get not taken away from you, but donated to another player. Donate it to the walk-on program for your team. Donate it to this. Donate it to that. Because you're making <clears throat> millions of dollars to, to play your sport. If you're a starter and you're, you've got an NIL deal and you get a certain salary money from that NIL deal, that goes to your school and your boarding. It should. After your four years, if that NIL contract is still going personally, I think then, yeah, you get to use it. And you get to keep a lot of the money that you get from the NIL deal. But guys, use it for school. If you're an athlete out there, be smart about the NIL deals that you get. Because, I mean, seriously, this is one of those things of it's now taken over. And I think the transfer portal in the NIL has taken over a lot of the attention. So we'll see what impact it has in 2024. Because that's going to be huge. So, with that, we got some college bat. We'll talk about a little college basketball, too. I know I went on my soapbox. We'll try to keep this one short and snappy here. I apologize for that. And if you guys don't agree with my opinion, guys, it's my opinion. It's not meant to be agreed with. If you want to have a discussion on it, be my guest. I will have a discussion. And if you can tell me where I'm right and where I'm wrong on it, by all means, I will love to sit down and have a discussion. Because that's what I like to do. I like to be, I like to debate stuff, and I like to try to find what people think. So, be that as it may. Currently, I'm dealing with an air bubble right now that I can't get out of my throat, so I apologize if I'm, like, coughing and stuff over the mic here. College basketball, only one ranked opponent played tonight. One ranked game, and it was... 
Oklahoma versus Central Arkansas, 88-72. to Central Arkansas ends up taking the L on that one from the Boomer Sooners. In Big Ten basketball, Maryland had a game against Coppin State, 75-53, to Terps. Texas Tech with a win over Sam Houston, 96-60. to UTSA beat Prairie View A&M, 103-89. That must have been, that could have been a dogfight for a little bit until UTSA looks like they might have broke that open. Oregon-USC Pac-12 matchup, 82-74 to Oregon over USC in that one, other big games coming up from Power 5 schools. Oregon State, UCLA in a Pac-12 battle, 69-62, to UCLA. Other big scores kind of coming around here. I'm not really seeing a whole lot of just huge blowouts. Ten-point wins kind of across the board. Going into, we'll throw it into kind of the weekend here on Friday. Any ranked matchups going on here? We got a couple of them. Purdue takes on Eastern Kentucky, number one, Boilermakers. Playing at 6 p.m. on Friday. Kentucky, the number eight team in the country as of right now. College basketball is weird on how they do their rankings. Illinois State and Kentucky score off at 6. Number 18, Clemson has Radford at 6. Big 12 opponent here, Cincinnati versus Evansville. Iowa, for all you Hawkeye fans, you guys got Northern Illinois coming up at 6 p.m. on a Friday. Nebraska fans. We're, we're hot on the basketball court right now. 12-2, and two, Fred Hoiberg kind of getting this team turned around. This is going to be a a pretty interesting Big Ten schedule here. Indiana sits atop the Big Ten at 2-0 in the conference so far. Illinois, Northwestern, Wisconsin, Purdue kind of round out that top five. Ohio State, Nebraska coming up both 1-1 on the conference. Both 10-2 as well. Hot teams. Purdue right now 11-1. They're a big, big powerhouse when it comes to basketball in the last couple of years. If you're an Iowa fan, you're sitting at 0-2 in the Big Ten at 7-5 and five overall in the conference. Going back through here as I close it out. Oh, we missed Penn State. Another Big 12 basketball. Penn State versus Ryder. That game is at 1 o'clock. Indiana, you guys got Kennesaw State at 5 for the Big 10. Number 21, Texas, UNC Greensboro at 7. North Carolina, Charleston Southern. Nebraska plays South Carolina State, by the way. For those of you who are paying attention, then, going down the list here, Utah has Washington State, the Pac-12 playing all-conference schedules here. Number 11, Illinois, takes on Farley Dickinson. Farley Dickinson, you guys had a good run in the in March Madness. Number 13, Gonzaga plays San Diego State. Colorado State, number 15, plays Adams State. Colorado, Washington in a Big 12 or a Pac-12 matchup. Number 4, Arizona has Cal at 930 on the West Coast. And then Stanford... And Arizona State to wrap out your Friday games. That's pretty much what we got. I mean, oh, for you Iowa State fans, on Sunday, December 31st on New Year's Eve, Iowa State has New Hampshire. That game is at noon on Saturday. Let's make sure nobody else on our teams play within the two states. It does not look like it. So Iowa State, they got a New Year's Eve bid as well, we'll go through the college basketball rankings for those of you who are college basketball fans. I know we don't talk about it a lot. We talk about it more when the March Madness train comes up. So far, rounding out your top five, you got Purdue, Kansas, Houston, Arizona, UConn as the top five going in that order. Big Ten teams that are ranked currently, Illinois ranked 11th, Purdue ranked number one. Going down the list, though, and then Wisconsin rounds out at 23 for the Big Ten spots. 
Creighton, for all of you Omaha fans out there, Creighton is ranked currently 22nd in the country at a 9-3 team. Had a couple of key losses in the last two weeks. Texas is ranked number 21, and that's pretty much all we got for college basketball within the Big Ten. We can go through those when J.C. gets back. I know we kind of like to have a little college basketball talk, especially when March gets closer, but right now teams are starting to heat up with conference schedules, which is the best part of the year, honestly. If you're going to watch college basketball to get some, some dirt on some teams, conference schedule is the way to go. So with that, folks, without further ado, we send it off here. Guys, like I said earlier, it's been one hell of a year, and it's been a hell of a run for the Covert Show podcast in this last 2023 year. We cannot thank you guys enough for supporting us. We cannot thank you guys enough for just joining us if you guys are now starting to get here. And finding us throughout social media and finding us throughout all the stuff that we post on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok. All is at The Covert Show. But if you guys are just looking for a fun podcast, or your friends are, go tell your friends about us. Because we enjoy doing this podcast for you guys. We just enjoy having some fun, being the dummies that we are, being the most interesting characters, hopefully, on the podcast land. And so, with that, excuse me, with that... From me, JC, and RC, we wish you guys a happy new year. Hopefully your 2023 was good. Hopefully your 2024 starts out red hot and starts out just high as a, just high. I was about to say high as a kite. Hopefully it starts out on a high note and it keeps going throughout there. If you guys are going to go through a little bit of hardship, stick with it. I know it's going to be tough out there. Life's tough, man. You got friends and family to back you up. I know you got somebody that you guys can talk to. Don't be afraid to lean on somebody and just have fun and just go do you. It's the world. Who cares anymore? Just go have fun. Be a dog. Be a fighter. Be a person to be around. But enjoy 2024. Enjoy your New Year's holiday. Hopefully you guys had a happy holiday as well. Thank you so much for listening to another season and the 2023 year of The Covert Show.